Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. Jesus once told Satan that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at covenantpeoplesministry.org or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. If you desire, you can also follow us on YouTube and Twitter. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here is Pastor Visser with our next Bible study. Hello again, friends and listeners. This is Pastor Visser. And the set of passages we're going to be looking at in this particular study all center around the topic of the bride and the bridegroom. Because perhaps more than any other question, I as a minister am asked, who is the bridegroom? And what does this symbology mean? The bride and the bridegroom. Well, today we're going to take a look at that by turning to Isaiah chapter 61. Now, the 61st chapter of Isaiah's work deals with our Messiah's first advent, meaning his coming. And as I've pointed out on other broadcasts, the first time Yeshua Messiah came, he didn't come to judge. I could wrap it up in short by saying he came to awake his people. Well, in Isaiah 61, we read several important points. The first one being right in verse 1, and it says this, The Spirit of the Lord El is upon me, because Yahweh hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planning of Yahweh God, that He might be glorified. So understand, right here, Jesus Christ is coming for His beloved people. It's mentioning His ministry and what He's about to do with His first advent. But that set of passages I just read you could be split directly in half. The first part, of course, relating to John the Baptist, who was a precursor to Jesus Christ, but set straight the way through the act of baptism. And in verse 2, halfway through, it would be about Jesus Christ, teaching about the vengeance of our God at the second advent, but also to comfort them that mourn. Now, in Isaiah chapter 61, he goes through several different points. He talks of restoration. Isaiah talks of Gentiles. He talks of future religious leaders. But the part I really want to get to begins in verse 9 of Isaiah chapter 61. It says this, Their seed shall be known among the Gentiles. Stopping right there, whose seed? 
Well, the seed of Israel. The seed of the chosen people. And once again, we see, just like it says elsewhere, that a seed shall serve him. Jesus Christ came for a specific race of people. He said he was the root and the offspring of David. Meaning not only would he descend through David's Judean and or Israelite loins, but also was the root thereof. It was Jesus Christ who created. In essence, it was he who was God. Their seed shall be known among the Gentiles, and their offspring among the people. All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed which Yahweh hath blessed. That's Isaiah 61, verse 9. Now the seed of Yahweh God, His children, His holy and peculiar people, are truly blessed. That is, when we do things Yahweh's way. When we attempt to row our own canoe, or go our own way, or kick against the pricks, it is always disastrous. But once upon a time, dear kinsfolk, here in America, and in Europe, and Britain, and Germany, we were very blessed. And Yahweh's blessing us is directly attributed to how obedient we are to Him. This should be common sense. Verse 9 says, All that see them shall acknowledge them, that they are the seed, the offspring, the race, which Yahweh has blessed. Continuing on in verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in Yahweh. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Now understand, verse 10 is straightforwardly showing the relationship between this quote-unquote seed, the offspring, and also how Yahweh God loves them. Loves them so much through obedience, he will bless them. One is the bridegroom, the other the bride. Yahweh God is always in the masculine. He is our heavenly Father, as Yahshua taught us to pray. Therefore, it is he who is the bridegroom, making us his people, his seed, if you will, feminine. And, of course, many of you are looking forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, Jesus Christ taught no different because Jesus Christ was God. Verse 11 of Isaiah 61. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causes all things that are sown into it to spring forth, so the Lord El will increase righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. Now we know from verse 5 of Isaiah 61 that these are the Adamites, those non-Israelites, those six-day creations. But when it all comes down to it, understand that Yahweh God is in control of all things. And when we're blessed, the earth brings forth her bud, meaning her increase. We have many crops, fruits, vegetables, and all the things that we desire to live a long and healthy life. But when we turn from Him, Yahweh God will curse us. It is He who will send the rain upon the just and the unjust. It is He who will send the rain and the latter rain. So it is Yahweh who will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. 
But many of you may be saying, Pastor Visser, we don't see that right now, do we? Indeed, you're correct. Because Yahweh God is omnipotent and in control of all things. Meaning Yahweh God is not blessing us. It's quite ironic, is it not? While there's numerous hoodwinked yahoos out there who walk around saying, God bless America, do you truly believe that Yahweh God is going to bless this country? When abortion just entered into the number one cause of death in America, when practically everything we see on television or hear on the radio is a violation of Yahweh's Ten Commandments? Well, of course not. When we send our sons and daughters to fight in wars, needless wars, that way God will not bless us. That way God will only bless us and be a bridegroom to us if we obey Him. But if we don't, well, it's safe to say He will curse us. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to the 19th Psalm. Now, King David, of course, would be a great-great-grandparent of Yahshua Messiah, at least on the fleshly level. But David was considered a man according to Yahweh's own heart. And there were many reasons for that. But David was obedient. David was faithful, despite all of his faults. David would write and compose music to some of the greatest writings that we have in the Bible, that are the Psalms. And in the 19th Psalm, we read this, beginning in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Understand that as well. Yahweh God has his fingerprint upon everything, and most assuredly, when you look into the sky at night and see the stars, signs of the zodiac, they're given to you for signs, for seasons, so you know where you are. But heavens, when you look into the heavens, they declare as handiwork, can man create a star? Can man even go as far as they claim into outer space? Well, they tried, but it's almost always disastrous. Psalm 19, verse 2. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. The seasons, if you will, they continue. Every twelve hours, it's dusk and it's dawn. That proves Yahweh God is behind it, because man cannot control time. And even though sick alchemists may in their laboratory be trying to extend people and freeze them with cryogenics, the reality of it is is that man cannot control time. Thus, it truly is appointed to every man one time to die. Man cannot control that. So understand, God holds the keys, life and death, that should be common sense. Verse 3. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them, hath he set a tabernacle for the son, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of heaven and his circuit unto the ends of it, and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. Circuit, a polite way of saying circle. And so the natural man comes along and says, well, we didn't know that the world was round. 
man used to believe the world was flat. Not true. Scripture attests to it here and many other places. But the integral theme of the 19th Psalm, which is a Daviatic Psalm, was written by David himself to the chief musician, is that, that Yahweh God is in control of all things. And only the stupid man cannot see that, cannot understand that. When they look at a tree, for example, who do you think causes that to grow? And like we covered in Isaiah, when the bud of the tender herb springs forth, who do you think causes that seed to grow? It is Yahweh God. And so even that is a testimony to his handiwork. And perhaps this is also why King David would say in his Psalms that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Because only a fool truly cannot understand that Yahweh God is in control. But understand, there is a line gone out through all the earth. Jesus Christ drew a line in the sand when it came to the Pharisees. The beginning of John chapter 8. When they were abusing a harlot and a woman taken in adultery. And he exposed their hypocrisy, not doing away with the law, by holding out that stone and saying, you without sin cast the first stone. Well, the line has gone out throughout the earth. And that line is between the bride and the bridegroom. In them, who? The Israelites, the bride. Yahweh God has set a tabernacle for the sun. All things were created for his blessed people. But and not everything professing to be a person is a person. At least created of Yahweh God. Jesus Christ taught there were tares and that there were wheat. The wheat were the children of God. The tares were the children of the wicked one, Satan. But if you don't believe that, and that sounds too far-fetched, then understand that not everyone will be the bride of Christ. It's simply not as easy as saying, I believe this day. I open my heart to Jesus Christ. He's going to let me into the kingdom. In order to partake of the marriage supper of the Lamb, you have to be one of these. And we've covered it in Isaiah and Psalms both. The seed chosen of Yahweh God. Now, to the flippant listener, they may come along and say, but that sounds racial, Pastor Visser. Well, that's exactly what it is. It's what Scripture says. Now, the next place I want to go in our look at the bride and the bridegroom is the New Testament Gospel of St. John. John wrote about Jesus Christ as if he were more spiritual as opposed to, for example, Luke, who wrote about him as a man. So it stands to reason that a spiritual teaching will be found here. In St. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 25, this is the testimony of John the Baptist. And after all, we covered already, did we not, in Isaiah, that John the Baptist was the first part of that, that led up to Jesus' ministry. Technically, I could paraphrase by saying John started Jesus' ministry through the act of calling Israelites to repentance and through baptism to obedience. So, keep that in mind as we read this. In John chapter 3, verse 25, New Pilcrow, brand new manuscript. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John, said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, 
and all come to Him. Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry broadcast. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive quarterly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visser's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.net where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts or you can easily listen to Pastor Visser by Godcast through your mobile audio device. Our sermons and videos are made possible by your tithes and offerings. If you wish to support this ministry, make checks or money orders payable to Covenant People's Ministry. Your donations help us to reach the lost sheep of the house of Israel, wherever they may be found. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all, and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church, so that when He returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It has been a pleasure to have you with us, and now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Stopping right there. Now that's exactly what we've already covered in two different sets of passages in this study. The same exact thing Jesus Christ taught. Not only is Yahweh God in control of all things from the weather to the stars to space shuttles blowing up and the current war that we're having to go through and our Antichrist ruler here in America. But so it is that a man can receive nothing except it be given to him from heaven by Yahweh God. Every blessing you have, be sure to go to Yahweh God and be grateful. And do what he requires of you through his law, through his gospels at least. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear witness that I said, I am not the Christ, John the Baptist speaking. It's not me. But that I am sent before him. And of course, I might interject, he was sent in the spirit of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and vice versa. But the most important verse of this set of passages is this. Verse 29 of St. John chapter 3. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. Now, do you understand what John said? In this verse, he says, his response to those people who are trying to sow discord, and perhaps I shouldn't use that terminology, because the disciples and the Jews were bickering amongst themselves. And of course, the Jews come in and they say, Jesus Christ is baptizing as well. Now, is his baptism more valid than yours, John? Or is yours more valid? Of course, you can see them trying to stir up discord. And John's answer to them is that, Number one, he confirms Jesus Christ is the bridegroom. Quote, unquote. Get that. Understand it. Christ is he who will return at that marriage supper of the Lamb and reclaim his beloved bride, Israel. Why? Well, we're going to get to that. But Yahweh, God it was, who was married to Israel and gave her a bill of divorcement, put her away privately. Why? Because she preferred whoredoms. 
because she preferred the pleasures of sin, because they preferred to not obey, to not have faith. John says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. Jesus Christ has us. We are His. We are the bride. We already established that. He is the bridegroom. John is saying, I don't have them. I baptize for the bridegroom. And in that I'm content. In this my joy is fulfilled, John says. He was happy enough to do it. And it shows you that John did not have ego. It wasn't about his own ministry. John's ministry was Jesus' ministry. So understand that. Now if you will, skip over to St. Matthew, chapter 9. We're going to read about an account where Jesus Christ answers some of John's disciples. In Matthew 9, beginning in verse 14, again, new manuscript says this. Then came to him, that's Yahshua Messiah, the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft or often, but thy disciples fast not? Question. So, John's disciples, the ones that would listen to him preach about a coming Redeemer, are coming to the Redeemer himself, saying, why was John teaching us to fast often, all the time, but yet it seems like your disciples don't, at least fast as much as we do. Jesus' response to that is this, in verse 15. Yahshua said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? Question. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them. Then they shall fast. In short, Jesus Christ says several important keys here. He says, I'm the bridegroom, just as John did. It is he who owns the bride. We've confirmed that. We are his people. The Israelite men, women, and children. But also, that fasting is for a time of mourning. While the bridegroom is with the bride, walking with the Israelites, it's a time of rejoicing. But that wasn't the way of the Pharisee. It wasn't the way of many of our own Israelites. They always wanted to walk around as doomsday prophets. They could never see the forest for the trees. They would always see the dark side of life. So they would always walk around in their spirit as a result was affected. And they would preach particular things like, there is no hope, there is no joy, there is no happiness. So if anything you get from this sermon, my beloved listener, get this. Don't get caught in that trap. Educate yourself. Knowledge is power. You've heard me preach it. But at the same time, don't neglect to live your life. And thank Yahweh God for those blessings. Jesus Christ was in essence teaching that. The bridegroom was with the bride. He was walking with them. He was doing miracles, turning water to wine and feeding multitudes with just a few loaves and a few fishes. But yet here they come along, the disciples of John, and they question, why is it your disciples don't seem to fast as much as we do? Well, the obvious answer has already been given you, and that is this. Fasting is for a time of mourning not for a time of joy. Now this account is also covered in Mark chapter 2, round about verse 19. 
And we covered it last year in my very lengthy series on Luke, chapter 5, verse 34. And for the sake of time, we're going to skip over those, because they're exactly what he says here. That was your second witness. We've covered it both from John and from the Gospel of Matthew. Now, please skip to the very last book of the Bible. That is the book of Revelation, the 21st chapter. And in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, John records this. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Stopping right there. In his vision, he sees a new heaven and a new earth. Meaning a new heaven and a new earth age. World without end. Amen. But continuing. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. Now, that is after the restoration. That is after Yahweh God returns in the vengeance of His fury. Which is why when we covered Isaiah at the beginning of this study, it split in two. First part, John. Second part, Yeshua. Because Yeshua was sent to make us accountable. To make us familiar. He would say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He was Yahweh God. And what we're covering right here will prove that. Verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Polite way of saying Adamite. And he who, Yahweh God, will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, who? The Israelites. And God himself shall be with them. And be their God. So, to many of you who are questioning, how can I get Yahweh as my God? Well, this is part of it. Accept Him in the masculine as the bridegroom. You are second to Yahweh God, unlike the naturalist. Accept that Yahweh God understood and sent Jesus Christ to do this. Marriage supper of the Lamb, and this is part of it. Only partial fulfillment. Because, of course, he goes on to say, God will wipe away their tears from their eyes. And Neither shall there be any more death, no sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For all the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto them that a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. Now here's a role reversal, if you will. Jesus Christ will be their God. It is Jesus Christ who said at the very beginning, opening of Revelation, I am Alpha, I am Omega, I am the beginning, I am the end. And so it is the marriage supper of the Lamb where Israel is reclaimed. But they're reclaimed by Yahshua. I want to drive this point home because many people out there will come along and say, Jesus Christ isn't God. Well, we already covered bride. We already covered bridegroom, did we not? So, who was it that was married to the Israelite people that we've been discussing in this study according to the Old Testament? Jeremiah chapter 3 verse 14 says, Return, faithless people, declares Yahweh. For I am your husband. I will choose you. 
one from a town and two from a clan, and bring you to Zion. It was Yahweh God who gave us that bill of divorcement. Yahweh's law, according to the Old Testament in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, says that a woman or a bride is an adulteress if she goes out and remarries as long as the bridegroom liveth. Perhaps that sheds light on why it was Jesus Christ had to die upon the cross. Not the only reason, but a reason. Because then the Israelites can choose. It is finished. It is done. We covered both of those terms. It is finished, Christ said on the cross. It is done. We covered here in Revelation. The former things are past. Why and how and through? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will reclaim us but only if we're obedient. In Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 through 9, pay close attention. Then I, John speaking, heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty pearls of thunder crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So understand what's being said here. The bride makes herself ready. The bride is you and I, Israelite men, women, and children. We are there waiting, but understand on the same token that the Lord our God is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Jesus Christ said, I am come a Lamb into the world. Jesus Christ was slain on the Passover over 2,000 years ago to redeem the beloved bride eventually, that is, after the second advent at this event. What event? Revelation chapter 19. Verse 9. The angel said unto John, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. So, understand, Yahweh God had to give the Israelites a bill of divorcement in the Old Testament. It's written about in Isaiah, Jeremiah, and even the minor prophets. The reason he had to give us a bill of divorcement even though he was married to us, was because we as a people then, like now, went a-whoring continually after other gods, other customs, other races, other nations. We would appoint foreign rulers. We would go after foreign gods. But those who make themselves ready are the bride. The bridegroom comes for the bride, for the Israelite. And so, the quote-unquote true words of God, according to John, in the book of Revelation, is that promise that if you are one of his people, if you will obey, if you will consider yourself to be his bride after all of that, then and only then can you partake in the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so until next time, dear kinsfolk, this is Pastor Visser from Brooks, Georgia, Hoping this study has edified you. And if we've helped you, please consider a tithe to this ministry. 
I pray that both you and I will be part of that coming marriage supper of the Lamb. So, be as that bride. Wear fine linen, bright and pure, spiritually, physically. Keep yourself a chaste virgin for Jesus Christ, your bridegroom, so you can be reclaimed. Until next time, great studies, war for Christ. Amen. Covenant People's Ministry Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given. That wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. We thank you for your prayers and offerings and pray that all of you have been touched by these messages and continue to spread the word of the gospel with your friends and family. Thanks again and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.